This is Steve Cochran. Welcome again to Live from My Office. I'm glad you're here. Of course, you can subscribe, rate, and review and get all episodes. Uh, It's a little different today because we're going to talk about a very painful thing, and that is suicide. Last week, my Uncle Dana, the last surviving sibling of my father, uh, killed himself at the age of 92. And if you're like me and you hear killed himself at the age of 92, it's pretty shocking. It turns out that statistically, uh, over the age of 75, 75 and older is the largest demographic likely to commit suicide or at least make the attempt. I'll give you some more statistics that is important. I think we know coming up, but the reason I'm talking about this is because my hope is that you can get some help from it. If you listen to me on the radio through the years and and this podcast in the last two or three, you likely know that I have been honest about mental health issues, including my own. And it's crucially important that we deal with it in an honest and upfront manner. And don't get me wrong, we're getting better, but we've got a long way to go. Um, I've had clinical depression my entire life. I have only been diagnosed with the same in the last 20 years or so. I take a daily medication for it, and I feel better because of it. I also firmly believe in talk therapy. And there are many, there are many ways to do talk therapy now, and it doesn't have to include a face-to-face sit-down because uh, having done that, uh, it's tough. It's tough to find the right person. It's tough to make the connection. But it's crucial that you do. And there are uh, apps. There are websites. There are telemedicine ways to get this done. And thankfully, your health insurance pays for it much more than they used to. All of this is a roundabout way to lead back to the central point of this. And that is the topic of suicide. There's a third person in my life I've lost to suicide. And the longer you live, the more you have life's experiences, good and bad. Uh, But I've spoken before about two women who meant a great deal to me, who I loved dearly, both of them. Um, One named Andrea took her life in her 30s after a lifetime of struggles. Um, She had been abused by her father, had never gotten proper help for it. And uh, was married a couple of times. It affected uh, and ended both of those marriages. And she, one of the sweetest people you'd ever want to know, uh, took her life, and again, in her late 30s. Um, More recently, my friend Rebecca Cutler, and I use her full name because she is the uh, front of an organization called rebeccasdream.org. Here's Rebecca's dream. Rebecca took her life at the age of 30. She had severe bipolar disorder. She was, uh, like Andrea, beautiful, fun, um, and somebody you just like being around. But what you didn't know about Rebecca, unless you really knew Rebecca, is how much she suffered, and bipolar disorder is just a brutal condition. Uh, It's the type of thing where, yes, meds help and meds are crucial. But as she explained to me, and I've learned from others, it really becomes a pharmacological crapshoot where you get the meds right, they'll level off eventually, and you got to start the whole process over again. And the tough thing about bipolar disorder is when you're in a good space and the meds are working, things are good. Um, when the bipolar disorder is out of control and you have the incredible highs and the incredible lows, you're either doing things that you're going to regret probably for the rest of your life or you're unable to get out of bed. 
and it is a just crippling way to live. But even there, there's hope. Um, and uh, most recently, just again in the last few days, my uncle Dana, who at the ninety at the age of ninety two, um, apparently because we truly don't know, just decided he was not going to live this way anymore. This way meaning not being able to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Um, let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, I, I, I never saw him working a regular job. It was a bit of a family joke because he always had money and he was a scoundrel. He was a guy who uh, served admirably in the Korean War, but prior to going into the war and after the war, never regular work. Uh, he would go to Mexico a lot. He would go to Canada a lot. And he always seemed to have money. Now, you can make up your own movie on that all day long. Lord knows I tried. But I remember after I had started my radio career, I said to him, look, at some point you're going to get arrested. And when you do, I'd like to have the first interview. And he just laughed and walked in the other direction. People in general loved being around him. He was not a great father. Uh, he turned out to be a very good grandfather and great-grandfather. But he made a decision that life was over for him, and he ended it. Uh, regrettably, he did so in a very violent way with a gun. Uh, this, too, is an important part of Dana's story. It doesn't change all the good that he did in his life. It doesn't change the hurt he caused and the failures he had in his life. Um, but it leaves a terrible mark uh, on his life for the people that are left behind. Suicide's not a victimless act. Um, I don't blame anyone who chooses to end their own life. But how you do it certainly matters. And there are people who are left behind to pick up the pieces in all of the ways that that sentence applies. So the important thing is that we take a step back from this. And the reason I share these stories of these three people in my life is because it's a lifelong journey for me to have a better understanding of why people make that choice. The cliche is it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's too simple. Um, your mental health is a permanent part of your life from the day you're born to the day you die. And we're only now beginning to take mental health as seriously as we should in this country. That's why it's so important that we talk about it. And when you have somebody you love who is really in a bad spot and you're concerned about whether or not they might hurt themselves, uh, it's really important to be proactive. But there's specific ways to do it. I, like probably most of you, made the mistake in the past, certainly with my friends uh, Andrea and Rebecca, of not wanting to talk about it and wanting to make them feel better. So when they would be down, I would tell them, you, you're beautiful. You're fun. You know, we have great things that we do together. So, um, you know, maybe you should get outside, get some sunshine, get some fresh air. Um, you know, or when I was a kid, I would hear things like snap out of it. You got it so much better than other people. Or walk it off. Or why are you so down all the time? You're bumming everybody out. None of that helps. None of that helps. All of that hurts unintentionally, but all of that hurts because it takes the person who 
is hurting so badly from their own mental illness and it takes them to a position where they can't trust that they can talk to you. So in that moment where you don't want to discuss how much pain somebody you care about is in, you say something that shuts them down. Again, no blame here. It's just a recognition of the way I handled it and the way I'm sure many of you have as well. All experts agree on a few things that you can do when somebody's in pain. You have to confront it directly. You have to ask them. If you're truly concerned that your child, that your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, your uncle, your coworker, anybody in your life, if you're truly concerned that somebody you care about might harm themselves, you need to ask them. And you can do it in a compassionate way. You don't do it around other people. You don't do it as an intervention. You can say to them, I'm worried about you. Do you ever think about hurting yourself? Or more directly, do you ever think about suicide? Do you ever think about killing yourself? Now, a lot of people think if you do that, it's going to put the idea in their head that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Somebody who has contemplated suicide, you're not going to give them the idea. Um, So asking them up front, honestly, can open the door that they can talk to you. And this is the really crucial part. We all talk too much and we all don't listen enough. So when you ask and they respond, you got to listen. And even if you don't ask and they talk, you got to listen. If somebody is willing to admit to you they're hurting and they're in a dark place and they're having a really bad day, you've got to listen. You can ask helpful questions to facilitate the conversation because it's a tough one to have. But you can say to them, why are you in so much pain? Tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me why it's, it's hurting you the way it is. They're crucial questions to ask. And it's so important that you hear the answers. Because after you ask and after you listen, the next piece of advice is to stay. And stay doesn't mean move in with somebody. Stay doesn't mean watch them 24 hours a day. Stay means be there for them in all ways. Uh, You can suggest resources, and I have several to give to you before we're done. You can um, offer to drive them uh, to things like therapy and counseling or a doctor's appointment or, or, or better yet, something fun that they used to love to do. And you can, on top of all of that, Make sure by staying, stay in quotes, by staying that they trust that you're there for them. Because when somebody gets to the point where they think the world will be better off without them or that they can't do it anymore, they don't think about the people they thought they could trust. They think about the people that they're leaving behind And they make a decision at that time for themselves that their pain must end. Now, all of that is a lot of information, but if you boil it down to ask, listen, and stay, it does come back to support. And as I said, there are resources that I'll give you in a second. This also goes to survivors of suicide, the people that are left behind. And right now, that's my whole extended family. 
you can't tough it out. You can't think, well, it's terrible that he or she did this, but they did this and now we all have to move on. You have to be willing to accept that the stress, the trauma, the ear suffering is a big deal and get help for yourself as well. Here's some statistics. I mentioned one at the top. 78% of suicide deaths in this country are men. It's an amazing number, 78%. And the highest rates of suicide in this country are men over the age of 75. Because, again, going back to where we started, I thought a 92-year-old took a gun and shot himself. Well, he's got to be the first. It's not even close. Counselors, experts, people say a man over the age of 75 with health problems uh, thinks about suicide several times a week, if not every day. Their usefulness, um, their relevance in life doesn't feel the same anymore. And maybe my Uncle Dana just felt he wasn't relevant and it was time to go. Nonetheless, the statistic matters because if you know who's doing this the most, you can help focus on that demographic and help them. What else do we know about suicide deaths? We know that the military suicide rate when they come home and even while they're serving is just a scourge. It's tremendously high. We know that cops are killing themselves. Um, First responders have uh, some of the toughest jobs in the world. And when they get into that place where it's so dark, they can't do it anymore, some make that choice. Can you cure this? The answer is probably no. Can you stop someone who has decided to take their own life? Uh, Not all the time. But what you can do is buy some time by asking, listening, staying, and supporting. And it's not just old folks. Suicide's the second leading cause of death for 10 to 34-year-olds. LGBTQ youth and adults have, not surprisingly, an exponentially higher attempted suicide rate than anybody. Because we don't accept the fact that being different's okay. We don't accept the fact that being mentally ill is okay. I grew up 61 years old, and I grew up in a world where you weren't supposed to talk about something like depression. I don't even remember when the word depression became part of an open and honest dialogue. At least we're doing that now. But we live in a country where nearly 50,000 people every year take their own lives. We can make this better. World Mental Health Day is coming up on October 10th. September, every year, is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Now, you may roll your eyes at some of these theme months that come up, but the reason that the emphasis is put on this in the month of September or on uh, October 10th is to really shine a light on it, to get media to cover it, to get people to talk about it, to make it part of conversation. So people like Andrea and Rebecca and Uncle Dana, they didn't die in vain. They didn't take their own lives in vain. We learned something forward uh, for it, and, and we're paying it forward. So let me give you a couple of resources that I think are really important. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has chapters in all major cities all over the country and is accessible anywhere. Their website is AFSP. 
American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, AFSP.org. You can go there and you can learn more about it if you're supporting someone with mental health issues, or you can actually use it yourself. And I encourage you to do that. Rebecca'sDream.org is the organization I mentioned earlier when Rebecca Cutler took her own life on her 30th birthday. She told me and many others she wanted to have a big party because she wanted people to stop it, to stop treating people with mental illness like there was something wrong with them. She was very pretty and very funny because there's something wrong with all of us. And she recognized that the best way to do this would be to take something as special as your 30th birthday, throw a huge party, and take that money and donate it to causes she believed in where people were trying to bring to the forefront the truth about mental health. We all have good days and bad days. But at some point in all of our lives, even the most mentally healthy people suffer from depression. And until we treat it with the same sincerity and seriousness that we do cancer and heart disease and every other major condition, we are not going to get to the next level, the level of healthiness that we deserve in this country. AFSP.org, Rebecca'sDream.org. And I'll give you another one. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, the people at NAMI, N-A-M-I, again, Chapters all over the country. They're just great people. And all three of those organizations, and it's just three of many, but all three of those organizations mean a lot to me, and they've been helpful to me. I have helped them raise money. And I would encourage you, if you're able, to financially support them as well. NAMI is NAMI.org, RebeccasDream.org, AFSP.org. Your donations to uh, all three of those or any of them, it's a big deal. Now, in regards to giving resources to people that are struggling, there was a wonderful thing that was done legislatively. It took a long time to get here, but you can now call or text 988 when you're struggling. You can also call or text 988 to say, I love somebody or I care about somebody that's struggling and I'm looking for resources to help. And somebody will be on the other end of that line in seconds or by text. 988. It's the fastest way to do it. If you'd prefer, you can text the word TALK to 741741. You can always call the Suicide and Crisis Helpline at 800-273-8255. All of this resource material will be in the show notes that you can access um, for this episode. You got here by clicking there. Check the show notes out and we'll have that information for you. Look, we can't end this. We can't end this overnight. And we certainly can't end mental illness or people feeling down and feeling badly. But we can deal with it in ways that we haven't before. And we can open our eyes to the problem wider than we ever have before. One other point I want to make about Uncle Dana is, again, he died at his own hand with a gun. And this isn't about guns in this country. That's a whole separate discussion. But when there's someone in your life that's struggling, and believe me when I tell you this, his son and his son's family are hurting. I don't blame them. I don't judge them. I don't question them for a moment about the fact that 
Dana had a gun in their house. He hid it. He had it. They didn't know he had it. And they certainly didn't know he was going to do it because they had taken guns that they owned and they got him out. They had done what we all should do. They tried to lessen the risk because he had talked about the fact that maybe he should just end his own life. Not in that way, but he brought it up as he brought it up to a couple other siblings. But honestly, who amongst us doesn't know an older person who hasn't thought that, said that out loud at one point or another? So the gun piece of this for me is this. If you have guns, a gun, if you have ammunition, get it out of your house. Get it out of your house in a way um, and, and secured in a manner where someone couldn't make a rash decision um, or a planned decision that could end their life. And you may be saying, Steve, you're saying two different things here. You're saying we can't stop someone, and now you're saying do this. I'm talking about common sense. And the common sense is if you eliminate one of the risk factors for someone to end their life to commit suicide, you can buy time. You can buy time for them to see that they do have hope and there's other ways to take on this problem. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But I come with experience. I've gone through this three times. I've made the mistakes. I've said the wrong thing. I've said something for me, not for them. But I've tried to learn along the way, and I've tried to pass on the information. And that's all this rambling monologue is, just an effort to try to tell you that I don't want you to go through it. And if you've gone through it before, I certainly don't want you to go through it again. Uh, life is so precious um, that we really, really need to help people who are hurting find a way to enjoy another day. Ask listen, stay, support. And if you're a suicide survivor, as I am, you need to get some help for yourself as well. Remember your, your, your mental health and a therapist is really, it's a, it's a health club for your head. You work on your physical health. You got to work on your mental health too. I appreciate you listening. Um, again, I'm sorry if I rambled a bit, but you know, it's a tough time and I just hope you got something out of this. Uh, a special edition, if you will, of live from my office. The websites, again, will be in the show notes, uh, as will the other resources that we mentioned. And I thank you for listening. And I thank Ross Cochran for listening as well. You think it's easy to listen to this? My son has to listen to this. And uh, thankfully, he takes very good, of, uh, very good care of himself and in the area of mental health as well. And he's been paying it forward for a long time. I hope you'll do the same. Ask, listen, stay, support. My name is Steve Cochran. Thanks for listening. This is live from my office.